Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Yes, that's exactly right, Allison. Welcome to Script Shop. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Frank, welcome to Script Shop. Thanks. What Frank, is Script Shop? Frank, are you, are you going to welcome me to Script Shop? <laughs> welcome to Script Shop. Jack. Oh, thanks, Frank. I really appreciate that. And listeners, welcome to Script Shop. Big welcome to all of y'all. Hi, everybody. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. Happy New Year. We're moving along. That's right. Um, yes, and in this new year, we're going to talk to writers about why they are the only person in the whole world who could have written their screenplay and what it means to them. Maybe what they are planning for the year ahead. Yes, it's a time of uh, both reflection and moving ahead and making plans and new beginnings. And uh, that it's, I, I, it's a time that's rife for, uh, for putting things down on paper and, that's and, and right. planning out and writing things. That's right. I like where you took that. Yeah, me too. I definitely didn't do it by the seat of my pants. So, listeners, if you write things down on paper or maybe you write them down on a computer, mm. which is how most people write things nowadays. Actually, I don't know if that's true. You know, maybe some people do use paper still frequently. It depends on what sample size you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. if you're talking about in the U.S. or if you're talking about worldwide, I'm sure paper is probably still pretty popular. Yeah. And also what the purpose is, because if you're going to write a screenplay, I bet they do it on a computer. If you're I mean, a serious writer. Or some sort of typewriting device, some yeah. sort of machine. Typewriters. That, probably typewriters is what it is. That helps with the writing process. Click, 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 click. If you've uh, done any of those things, you can uh, submit to us, and we would love that. If you go on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, you can send us your script that way. We're also on... Beep, beep. Frank, do you know what we're doing right now? No. We're, we're on film freeway. That's the sound of being on a freeway. Film freeway. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a racetrack. <laughs> It's good to know that we've communicated this idea in, a, in an audio way to really help it along. You can submit to us on Film Freeway. If you go on filmfreeway.com, look up Script Shop Show. Uh, you can submit to us that way. And once again, if you somehow, if when you do submit to us, if you uh, get a message to us one way, whether it's in the submission or whether you find us on the internet. Or you mail us a couple of... Hot burritos is where she's going with this. If you somehow get the phrase to us, hot burrito, that lets us know that you listen to the show, and that means we would put your work uh, up to the front of the line for consideration. That's right. So please do. We love everything you send in, and we love reading through it to figure out what's going to be our next big story on Script Shop. Uh, What is our big story on Script Shop for this week? All right. This week we have Brian Cluen, who has brought us his screenplay, Dear Lights. Dear Lights is a 13-page honest and shattering short on self-destruction. Dear Lights, hi. It's been a couple of weeks. I hope your summer's going well. I've been at the beach with my family. <laughs> Dear Lights is what I get when people catch me doing things I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've somehow imparted to my daughter. She was looking at ornaments on a Christmas tree and someone walked in and said, Olive, what are you doing? And she went, ah! And she just took off running across the room. 
Because uh, I tell her some things are not for us and some things are, but she doesn't know what they are until she gets to them. I get it. Uh, folks, also, we are on the internet because that's how you're listening to us, uh, presumably. Uh, and you can find us on various forms of social media as well. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We would love for you to connect with us on those platforms and uh, interact with us and tell us what you think about the show and maybe retweet something or, you know, ask us a question or answer a question that we've posed or any of those things. It'd be fun. Dear Lights. Dear Lights. Hi, it's me, Margaret. <laughs> That's why I ask us a question. I wish people would say, Dear Script Shop Jack, mm. and send in their burning questions for you to answer. Yeah, I would. Well, as long as they're not questions about me, we'll be fine. <laughs> Let's talk about this screenplay. We should. Well, one other thing, Frank, we have one other thing we oh, got to yeah. make sure we cover, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that you know one what other thing is? What is that? I'm asking you, Frank. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you, Allison. I definitely know what it is because I'm all about yeah, that. We've been money, doing this honey. for a while, Frank. Yeah, we've we been here. <laughs> Frank, is there one other thing we'd like to do in the intro that we haven't gotten into yet? Thank me. <laughs> yes, that's true. We're glad to have you here. Mm-hmm. And? And Patreon. Oh, there, you go. there it is. Rick. Frank, do you want to give us the, the Patreon pitch? Uh, actually, I'll just give my own. You oh. can either go and rate our. Rate and review our podcast. Uh huh. Or if you don't want to do that or have already done that, why don't you send us some money? Oh, <laughs> these are your two choices. Those are the only two choices out there, people. <laughs> the yep. two genders. Leave <laughs> us a review or give us money. Nothing in between. <laughs> no, we would. That would be that would be wonderful. We are trying to uh, grow the show. It's uh, work that we love doing, and uh, we're putting it out there to give you the option if you enjoy it and maybe have a couple extra nickels and shekels here and there. You can send them our way, and we would be greatly appreciative is of that. that. Twenty twenty lingo for rinks and runks. Shekels is the new. Yes, shekels, shekels is the twenty twenty version of Reenies and Runes. Okay, cool. I love Rooney's and Rooney's and Shekels now. We're saying Shekels from now on. Sheck? Or is it? It's Lose? both Sheck and Cole is the sound effect. Shekels, the, the onomatopoeia Shekels, noise it makes when it drops Shekels, into our little bucket. Shekels, rink, rink. Shekels. <laughs> we got to get out of this. Yeah, that's not even funny. Let's, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, let's get uh, Brian Cluen on the line. Hi, Brian. Thank you for tolerating that for the last five minutes. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. You're a very patient person. Thank you. You guys are you guys are wonderful. Don't <laughs> don't, uh, don't have to worry about anything. Is this a cycle where the two of you just talk about how awesome the other one is? Yeah, you're, folks, you're gonna want to skip it's, ahead a good two be, three minutes. That would also be okay with me if you want to just <laughs> talk about how awesome I am. Yeah, That's cool. I love that. Uh, Brian, where are you calling us from tonight? So I'm from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and. We are freezing here. Brian, you were, the, the script that you sent us, Dear Lights, this was actually a produced film that we showed at Sindependent Film Festival this past year, right? Yeah, what an incredible film festival. Anybody who's in Cincinnati has to attend that and grow the audience because it's showing the best films in the Midwest for sure. Thank you. Ooh, yeah, um, that's awesome. Including yours. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I was just so honored to be part of it. The the filmmakers that I got to meet and see the films I got to see were just it was it was an honor. Um, but <clears throat> this uh, this was like a very personal project for me. I've I've made quite a few short films. All of them have little bits of me in them. Sure. Um, but this one in particular uh, was after a long stint of of using drugs myself and I felt it was, I w- it was far enough away from me that I could talk about it. Okay. And it was kind of, um, an imagined future of what, mm. what mm. could, what could be my future had I continued using. And mm-hmm. it was also spurred out of an incident, you know, many years after I had, I had some, uh, some time to think about things. I had just hit a deer and I was like, oh. you know, how crazy would it have been? 
to die that way and i was killing myself actively and i felt that very much so oh, it was time to, yeah. that was when i that was when it was time for me to talk about it. Yeah. So. Well, we'll definitely get into some of this when we really start diving into the themes of the screenplay. But for our listeners here, I'm curious, how long have you been writing? How long have you been filmmaking? Yeah. How long has this kind of form of storytelling been a part of your life? Uh, okay, great question. I think um, it's a difficult question to answer because for me, it's I'm like that guy who's like, oh, it's my, my whole life, right? But um, it's probably been my whole life. I've... I, one of the the tragedies that I didn't know how to deal with in my life was that my sister was uh, killed when I was seven years old. And it, mm. it kind of like shaped the 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 rest of my life. And for a long time, I was kind of angry as an, uh, a young man and an, an adult going into adulthood. And that was a time where I was I wasn't able to process things from my childhood very well. And that's when I was like really starting to to use my art form to, to try to like, to deal with all that stuff. Um, but I had been writing since I was a kid cause it was always something that, that helped me cope with the things that I was dealing with or trying to deal with and getting into adulthood, uh, meant having a job and a real job. And I went to a school for accounting and finance and I graduated with accounting and finance degrees. And I found it a very, like a very challenging day to day process for me because it, it just wasn't, what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And, um, I, I, at some point I was able to wean myself off the accounting and I ended up, um, as a freelance uh, filmmaker and I've been full time at that for the past two years. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a and real, it, that's a, that's a, that's a big a shift, shift, right? Going yeah. from finance, which from the outside looking in feels like something that's not really all that personal. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know, cold, hard facts and numbers and calculations and, and keeping, you know, records and bookkeeping and all that versus into filmmaking that's can potentially be extremely personal and also very collaborative and, and much more artistic than what you came from. That's a big shift. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was probably more of a shell shock to, to try to go into the real world and do the accounting because, all of this, all throughout my life, I've been moonlighting as an artist. It was, here's what I do. You know, I do sports and school during the day, come home and I work on my writing and I work on my music. I was always a musician, a guitar player. Um, is, is that weird then taking a thing that's normally like a hobby and something that you're just doing for you and having it turn into an actual J O B? Yeah. I mean, it took better half of a decade for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the good news was that I didn't have to pay for that education. Like the, the, the YouTubes and the internets, you know, they're all, all the people are talking about how to make great stuff. It's just, if you got to live a little bit, have a story to tell. And like all the tools are out there. They're all available. When in this, so, in this timeline of your life here, you know, we're talking about um, a family tragedy at a young age, which filters into your early teen life really spurs your creativity on eventually you go and get your accounting and finance degrees and now you're you're pardon me moving forward through this journey and doing your art where did um the drug use start showing up for for you within that it was it was after college and it was you know once i was kind of settled into a a a good job as uh, the people around me would have called it something that like would look successful on the outside to everyone else felt very like I was trapped 
And that feeling of being trapped is what I think really was the the, the motivator and the thing that kind of started everything for me. Do you mind if I ask what your main um, drug was? Um, it was it would yeah it was like prescription opiates mm-hmm. any any of them that I could get my hands on. Which we that's what the main character Charlie I believe yeah. he he has he uses a lot of pills throughout the screenplay himself. Yes. Yeah. So this is an ex- I mean this is an extremely personal. You you, know, you talked about you you needed a few years of perspective before you felt like you were comfortable even sort of addressing this as a storytelling subject. Uh, where are you, how do you feel about that whole process at this point? Um, I'm learning how to talk about it a lot better because now I've started to talk about it. So that, that was an important thing for me. Um, and it's, it's, I'm finding a lot of people um, are, are very happy that, I told the story the way I told it because it it's so real. A lot of stories on this subject are told from the people who are kind of affected by the person who's using the drugs. <clears throat> and you see some of the tragedy that the drug users have to have to endure and things like that, but this I wanted to just really just dive into that like what it was like an honest perspective and that it's not a likable perspective. Yeah. Uh, this character is not like a person that I'm that's a hero to anyone. Uh, I think he's a pretty garbage person, but that's what uh that's unfortunately kind of where you end up when you're using. It's just it's by default your the drug is the most important thing. So I am curious in in this script you're talking about how this main character isn't a likable guy and there's not a lot in this script as far as optimism or you know even joy to a certain extent and based on what you sort of said that I feel like that was a very conscious choice on your part. Yeah, I mean I think it was supposed to just kind of be like a a shock to the system like this I mean you're using drugs you're going to die you're going to die if you're driving your car. So what's the point of using the drugs? I think I just wanted to kind of, it's not supposed to be like so optimistic, but it is supposed to be maybe uh, just like some of the things that we do with our lives are so petty and so stupid that so wasteful that it's just, you know, eat better, (laughs) live better, do all the things that are like going to keep you living i don't know i just i think the most important thing is staying alive and using drugs is not not going to do that Mm -hmm. do we want to lay out some of the beats of the story and the screenplay for our listeners yeah so this is a this story dear lights is a story of uh this guy charlie and his wife lily uh they have a couple of kids and uh both of them are actually dealing with addiction issues to a certain extent charlie uh as we discussed has a a a pill addiction that's going on that he presumably is trying to keep a secret from his wife although i think there's elements in the script where she may know on some level that there's something else going on uh the wife lily has uh has a cutting uh issue where she's in, in the script at one point is secretly in the bathroom uh cutting parts of her body that may not be normally exposed so that she can sort of keep to herself uh charlie is having a hard time showing up at work He's uh, going buying drugs with uh, this one other guy, uh, MB. Uh, that leads to a bit of a weird encounter with somebody with a gun. Uh, he ends up, his car gets shot, and he's taking it to the mechanic. 
he learns that he loses his job at the mechanics and that'll actually that's a decent setup i think for the the section of the script we're going to read but before we get into that though brian you said that you needed a little bit of perspective on your life before you actually wrote this story going from the time when you were doing the the work in the financial sector to when you were getting more into filmmaking and writing was that still also a period when you were using uh no I, I, you can't make art when you're you're using, unfortunately. And anybody who says that they can is kind of <clears throat> is probably at the end of their road because it's just like it's just it's too debilitating and it blocks your ability to be creative and to be optimistic and to any of the things you need to finish projects and things like that. So um, I'd probably had it been many years. But that wasn't really that was me coming back to filmmaking. Um, I had been a filmmaker really since 2004. It was like when I first first started shooting with trying to gather actors and hair and makeup and things like that. Um, And then, yeah, I had unfortunately a few years where like college and things were just a little bit more pressing and I didn't make as much of the film stuff, but I was still writing still getting better as a writer Um, in terms of your writing i love the way that this screenplay opens the very first line is a man buries pills in the ground yeah i have never read that in a screenplay period i actually had to go back and like reread that sentence a couple times when i was first reading the script yeah Yeah, and and we know the opening opens with kind of this um this a bit of a dreamscape here yeah uh, a a setup for what the story is all about yeah but the fact that that came out and that narratively that's just so, so clear and creative, I was curious as a, if a lot of your ideas tend to take shape through their writing. You talk a lot about learning and you know using YouTube tutorials, et cetera, to really uh, refine your technique. But in terms of like your own voice, do you do you you know need to prompt that to show up on the page or, or are there just pieces of you that just kind of fall out as you're writing and working on on scripts? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of it has to do with things I've read, people I've read before, but also it's mostly just me talking the way I talk. It's very in real life mechanical and it doesn't necessarily lend itself well in social situations, but Mm. sometimes it works well on the page. It's a little more poetic, I guess. If you walk up to someone at a party and you say, a man buries pills in the ground, (laughs) that they're not going to say, uh, (laughs) what if they had like some kind of call and response? (laughs) A bird takes wing at midnight. (laughs) I get to to be a little more poetic in the dreamscapes and the more surreal settings. So that's my favorite areas. Mm -hmm. I I really feel that opening sequence was, again, like kind of said, it was supposed to be like the full film if you just watch the beginning yeah mm-hmm. it was kind of the whole movie uh spoiler but then <laughs> but spoiler yeah uh but you, you wouldn't really know that yeah, nobody you would watch the whole they, movie right they wouldn't know and, that until they got to the end and even yeah it's kind of a treat and maybe a reason to rewatch it for someone yeah, yeah. that's called foreshadowing allison i don't know if you know that <laughs> yes that's a, yes we're all we're writers here we should definitely know about foreshadowing <laughs> you may be a writer but i'm an idiot <laughs> i'm going to have that written on my gravestone uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you. That sounds like what every writer says. (laughs) Now I know you're a writer. (laughs) Well, now they're just going to steal it from me, so they're all plagiarizers. Yep. (laughs) 
Um, I loved the the family relationship and this whole thing. There's tons about the marriage itself to discuss, but then the children show up. And I want to, what is it? I literally wrote this question. What is it called when a parent teaches their child not to hurt others by physically hurting them? What? Because the mother, the two little boys come into the bedroom and they go through this whole, what happened? Because the boys are fighting. Yeah, they had a fight over the iPad. Yes. And she... She says to one of them, well, what did you do after he took it? And he says, I hit him. And the mother grabs the boy's wrist and yeah. yells at him, the older son, tells him not to hit or whatever. And I'm like, she's teaching him. She's perpetuating this physical don't hurt people by like, first of all, it doesn't seem like the fight is set up fairly and then hurting him. I got gotcha. you. And okay. I, I wondered if this was a theme that needed to play into the screenplay or if I'm just reading too much into it myself. I, I yeah, I mean, I feel deeply for the mother in this movie. I think she's just at her wit end, and she doesn't even realize what she's doing. But it, the whole point of the the kids are are just absorbing all of this yes, stuff. Yes, okay. They, it's it, it's it's being like part. It's being it's part of their being upbringing lived now. Out it's going to traumatize them for years. Yes. Oh. So that makes sense because I was sort of curious about it, specifically in the context of the story. Why do a story about a man and a wife and their two kids when you know on some level it, it would maybe be just as serviceable doing the story about just Charlie and Lily? But having these kids in there and the fact that they're being affected by everything too really sort of raises the stakes. Yeah, those two kids. The likelihood that one of them becomes a user is is pretty high, and that's that's uh, that's unfortunate that that that's how like they had to have that upbringing and that's something that they're gonna have to deal with the rest of their lives everyone should get a therapist that's mm-hmm. all it doesn't matter if you think you had a good childhood or not you probably have some things you gotta unpack yeah i love therapy when these that. children too you know even if it, it wasn't drugs they're living this childhood of aggression mm-hmm. and uh, secrets you know so again regardless of what they think they might be learning at this point the parents have secrets from each other and awarenesses yeah. of each other that don't seem as if they're fully on on surface. So how do you envision Charlie and Lily's relationship? Like, what is their backstory? How did they get to this place? And how much of it do you have in common with them outside of just on the surface level of addiction? Yeah, so the I'll just uh, – the last part I'll touch on first. I, I had no real relationship to this relationship. That was a purely fictitious thing. Um, but the, the way that the, the dynamic between the two, I think they, they've been together for a long time. I mean, they have kids together, they're married. Uh, I, 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 in my head believe that they both know about their, the, the drug use and the cutting and they've all, they've dealt with it together, uh, successfully in the past, but it's reemerged. And as Charlie's addiction and drug use, uh, started to ramp up again and get more and more prevalent. Her uh, her need to to escape from her daily life started to become more and more necessary for her. And right. is there a reason why you went with cutting for her as opposed to maybe some other like substance abuse or anything like that? Um, there was some you know some of the things were just uh, things that I've I've dealt with personally with with friends and other people that I've been very close with and i thought it was a very real uh reaction and and to to his behavior yeah 
I'm, and I think she had she has to like kind of keep it together for right. the family. So for right. her to to be a a drug user or another thing, it would just it would be something different of a relationship, and the dynamic would have been just it would have fallen apart a lot faster. Okay. Like, well, she's the one that needs to keep everything under control. You know, she's got to right. make sure the house stays together. She has this OCD about needing things to be clean. If she the control the word control is is perfect. It's yeah. For her, that's it. it's what it is. It's a control thing. Yeah. And this is something she can control. So. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting for me too. I wanted to ask, what is it about them both that is making this screenplay happen? Like, why now? You know, we we learn that Charlie hasn't been to work. For three days. So what happened that took him down a darker twist of this or not even a darker, a deeper route into his addiction? And does that feed off of where she's coming from? Is she going down the same path because he's moving further along in it? What is it that happened that's making him go further now? I think he's for me, it, it was that he was starting to get financially stressed like there was there were things that they were fighting about at home and I, he was also feeling the the pressure at his job clearly to perform and he hasn't probably been performing for a long time and it was getting close to that point where like things were going to have to be done at his job and he was nowhere near being able to finish those projects and mm-hmm. things like that so he was probably depressed checked out and was using heavily and the more he used, the less money he had available. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the harder it came for him to maintain his, his daily use. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you bring up the financial stress because at one point he goes into the bathroom and he snorts pills or, you know, the powder, mm-hmm. using a $100 bill. And oh, in my yeah. head, I thought, I bet that's just as effective with a one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a straw. Uh, or yep. a straw. Yeah. Uh, take that money and put it in the bank, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Well, I think- oh, no, that that's going to be the money he he uses to pay for his, his, drugs later. his pills later. Yeah. yeah. I figured he'd probably have to keep that stuff secret from his wife. Yeah. It's not like you could shoot up a Venmo. Or, I mean, you can. Right, but. right. Well, the the thing about the money is uh, for somebody who's using and using it that way in particular, it's just something that's always with them. Mm. A, you know, a dollar bill and you can put that back in your wallet and it's just there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much about um, your own experience with this that I just imagine is why so much of the language shows up the way it does. And you know how everybody writes about write what you know? You know, how what was your process to getting to the point where you could actually even – talk or write about this you said it had to be far enough away that you could touch it and what was that like life was just really good life has been really good for many years for me so I'm, just, I'm like always just so appreciative of of the fact that I'm still here and that I have so many good things around me and that I get to make movies I mean it's it's what an honor and a privilege I don't know what else to say about it it's mm-hmm. just an incredible thing to do and I think the, one of the reasons that I, I mean, I love being a director. I love making the thing. So writing for me is an absolute necessity because there's not anybody sending me screenplays right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on that note, let's dive a little bit into what yeah. could have been um, in your own words. And listeners, if you are following along, we're going to start reading at the bottom of page nine and take it all the way to the top of 12. So uh, today's 
reading is going, we're going to have Jack doing all of our action headings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank is going to be reading for Charlie, and I will be reading for Frank's wife, Charlie's wife, Lily. Um, right. So I guess, should we do a little setup for this? I mean, we we sort of laid it out before. Uh, Charlie is dealing with uh, drug addiction issues. Lily herself is also uh, dealing with uh, cutting. And uh, so he had, Charlie had been out with this MB guy and this, it's not necessarily a drug deal gone bad, but things went a little bit south. And in the course of them sort of getting away, his van got shot up. And so he's been at the mechanic now and the mechanic's telling him, hey, look, man, this, this car's, this, this thing's total. It's, it's game over. And at the same time, he's getting a call from work. They're like, hey, man, where you been? This is ridiculous. You know what? You're in the shop. This one more day. You're not going to be here. We're sick of this. You're fired. And Everything is sort of coming to a head, uh, which is right where we're going to pick it up at. And he's just called Lily. Oh, no, he's about to call Lily to come pick him up. I believe. I think so. Okay. And that doggo is actually Charlie. That was his nickname originally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, right. So um, I guess, Jack, whenever you're ready, take it away. Interior mechanic shop day. Charlie re-enters the building, frantic. I I need the bathroom. Mechanic points to the bathroom. Interior, bathroom, mechanic shop day. Charlie is shaking as he takes out a bag of pills from his pocket. He performs his pill ritual. He sets a card on the sink and then puts a pill on top of the card, crushes the pill with a bill and another card, and then snorts the powder. Interior, home, bathroom day. Lily cuts hidden places on her body, first her thigh and then her stomach. Intercut between mechanic bathroom and home bathroom. Charlie pulls at his hair. His breathing is erratic. He rapidly sets up another pill to snort. Lily picks another spot to cut. She is crying. Charlie crushes the pill and snorts it. And at the same time... Uh. Interior mechanic shop midday. Charlie sits in the waiting room staring off into space. Charlie texts Lily. I need you to pick me up. The car took a shit. I'm at this repair shop in the city. Address is 2449 Silver Spring Drive. Interior shower bathroom day. Lily is washing the blood from her body. Shoot only her face and her feet. Blood swirling down the drain. She exits the shower and Lily sees a text from Charlie. Fuck. Lily quickly dries off. Exterior sidewalk mechanic shop. Night. Lily pulls up to where Charlie is standing. She's already picked up the kids from school. Charlie gets in the front seat. Interior car city night. What happened? Why were you all the way over here? Charlie sits in silence. What'd your work say? Fuck those people. What does that mean? It means I hated that job, so I quit. What? Why would you do that? We have bills and kids to feed? They were always in my business. I couldn't even have a life outside of that place without pissing someone off there. I've needed a new job forever. We're talking more about this when we get home. Charlie looks out the window at the freeway. The city buildings turn to rural trees outside of the car window. Darkness everywhere. Interior car, woods, night. Charlie sniffles the hard drip. Lily glares at Charlie. The kids fight in the back over the iPad. Lily reaches back to stop the kids fighting, exposes one of the cuts that she made today, and Charlie glares at Lily. A deer's head appears. Lily quickly turns the wheel to avoid the deer, and the world slows as the car flips. Glass flies at Lily and Charlie's face. The children cry. Real time resumes as the horrific sound of crunching metal and glass is heard over black as the car flips. End scene. Yeah, so that's 
Mm-hmm. Brian, that's it. And it, it, it so then it sort of cuts to a couple law enforcement guys that are responding to this horrific crash that I, I, I'm, I don't even think it's implied. I think it's pretty explicit yeah. that nobody survived this wreck. Uh, and the, the, very quickly, in, within this like little half page between the sheriff and the deputy who were there on scene, they go from, wow, this is really terrible. That's some really scary stuff that things could just end as quickly as that. And then it turns to... Hey, you coming to my Super Bowl party next week? Like that that's a it's a real sort of dark comedy bleak oh, note to end man. it on. I'm I'm curious about I mean, you talked about how this isn't supposed to necessarily be an uplifting tale, but as far as having that as your ending specifically, I'm curious how you came to that. Um uh, well this was something that it was a bit of controversy controversy with the actual production of the movie because when I started to think more in depth about making the thing this scene became kind of campy a little bit or like just a little out tonally out of place so i wanted to i left it in here to show what everything that was written but this was a scene that ended up not getting made uh in the final version okay i thought it would have been cool i think but it would have just been something it was it wasn't necessary so that last part with the kids uh, and some slow motion and just kind of a different vibe between the family showing there was something in the past where there were there was a beautiful moment and that was what they should have they should have been grateful for those moments and they should have focused on those things instead of whatever got them to where they were mm-hmm. i love what you said earlier too about this idea of when you almost hit the the deer yourself and you just thought what if that was how I died instead of actually all the things I was actively doing that could have ended my life. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful thought to have. There's so many things that can kill us. You're just like, just don't do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I, mean, I feel like it's less about maybe a lesson. I mean, the idea of the randomness of life, it's, it, it's not like this car crash necessarily happened specifically because of the addiction that either of the main characters are dealing with. I mean, you could make an argument that indirectly that's how they got to this point. That's how the car got shot up. That's why Lily had to come pick him up because of all that stuff. But, I mean, ultimately, these guys get wiped out just on random happenstance. Exactly. And you get you could definitely make the argument that they got there because of all the butterfly effect of all mm-hmm. these other things. Yeah. But truly, it's just just a a, a moment of that sheer coincidence that they were driving and that deer happened to be there at the same time and that they that instead of reacting with their brakes, they they reacted with the steering wheel and that flipped their car. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. those, are, those are just like split second things that that changed everyone's life is there an interpretation then of this story that you've told where somebody could arrive to the conclusion of who cares what you're doing day to day when at any random given moment things could just end i'm yeah i i I suppose anybody can come that's the beauty of film is like once it's made it's anybody's they can interpret it any way they like Mm -hmm. i'm not here to tell them how to necessarily interpret any of this this that was just where i was when i was writing it yeah but as far now as intent there, goes now that, it's everyone now it's everyone else's and but as far as intent goes that's not necessarily the message that you're is at the forefront of your mind to get out there definitely not but 
again, if that's how someone, if someone feels about it, then that's, that's their, that's the way they've, they've received the, the film or the script. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. That's how, totally okay. How has this film been received? Like when you show this to your parents or your family and friends, or, you know, you're out on the film festival circuit, what is the response to this um, graphic of a film really? It's it's been wonderful. I think people are 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 moved by the film. They feel something that they or and see and experience something they haven't really uh, experienced before. And I think that's been tr- it's translated every time it's gotten to have uh, an audience. There's gasps. There's there's notable moments that people really respond to. And it's uh, it's been nice to hear feedback from people that just say, "What congratulations on your on your achievement." Um, and some of those have translated to awards and, and I, it's helped me make other projects since then. And now I'm going to be able to continue making more, hopefully at bigger levels. I, my, my absolute goal is, is film, uh, narrative film, and I want to do feature films and television. So short films are a great place to learn how to write whole stories they're a great place to learn how to direct whole stories if that's your objective and i'm uh i'm actually going to be making another short film so while i'm uh attempting to produce my first feature film i'm going to continue making the things that i can make right now how has the response been from people maybe on a personal level of somebody that can uh, recognize and, and relate to issues of addiction have you had people coming up to you with that sort of a reaction yeah absolutely so that's mm. uh, i think i touched on it a little bit earlier but the depiction is so true to to the addiction and the the use the daily use that people that have actually been through it um have they it's always in secret after a screening and they always come up to me and they just tell me how much they appreciate somebody showing it the way that they should that it was shown. It was just, it's a dark place. It's a dark thing to go through. And there's not a lot of good that happens. And you're, because you're in all these situations, it may feel, uh, the script might feel a little theatrical because it's short and there's not a lot of time to tell this kind of a big story. But uh, all this stuff is what, what you attract when you're doing this kind of stuff. It's just negative things that just kind of keep coming into your life that you, you can't avoid. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, um, gosh, you said you you have some upcoming projects. Do you think your run with this one has pretty much wrapped itself up? Um, I'm going to do some local screenings here in Milwaukee, just um, something that I'm curating. And then I'm probably going to be releasing it to the public in early 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay, well, if someone wants to get in touch with you about seeing this film or being a part of it or being a part in your future works, yeah. what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Okay. So the best way, um, you could go to my Instagram, which is just my name. It's at Brian Cleewin, which is B R I A N K L E W I N. And then I also have a website. That's just my name as well. It's Brian So same spelling as the Instagram. And then, um, the, the feature film that we're trying to get funded right now is called Deep Edges. It's about a champion figure skater that's determined to win after her mother dies. 
and her drive to be perfect awakens a dark evil. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural thriller. It's kind of about the mental deterioration of an artist obsessed with perfection. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is that, is that, I mean, is that based? And there's a trailer on my website too. So we've, we've shot like a, te- it's not even a trailer. It's a teaser for mm-hmm. the film. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, my question, hey, I'll just let it stand sorry, until we, yeah, we, well, I, you know, you just talk about an artist obsessed with perfection, mm. and I wonder, is that you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I gravitate to- towards that kind of story, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was like a cool a, – a, the the skater is is not only just an, a- they're an athlete, but they're also an artist. And it's the only like sport or art form that's like that, where it's just like a pure hybrid – People are judging them, but it's also the most beautiful thing. It's like based on ballet and yeah. it's, it's incredible. So, and it's also a sport that like starts at a very young age and they worked with, you know, a ticking clock that the sport by the time they're 25 is kind of like n- no longer interested in them. Brian, does so this, does this skater make a Cthulhu? I don't know what that is. Does Tell she, me what that is. Oh, that's the, it's one of the, it's one of the elder gods. It's one of the, it's one of, it's a Lovecraftian, uh, big old monster mm. with a, like an octopus face and wings. Okay, and yeah. it, it drives you mad just by looking at it. I thought that might be what, uh, the, the dark, mm. uh, thing that she awakes in, in your story. Um, I used a trio of, of things. They're, they're supernatural beings, I'll call them. But yeah, they're, there's a presence that she, that she, uh, that she awakens through uh, a trinket. Cool. Yeah, and it may or may not be a Cthulhu. It may or may Jack. not be, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for a Cthulhu. I might have to do a little research on that. and then <laughs> Some rewrites. <laughs> yeah, some rewrites. I don't know how much, I don't know if I have the budget for a Cthulhu, but... Well, we'll see. You, if you, if you, when, when you do, you will. <laughs> yeah, ex- right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Where's this Cthulhu even coming from I don't know, I just like Cthulhu. It's, just, it's a cool monster. Is this your new podcast, Jack and the Cthulhus? Yes, that's my, it's also my band, band name. that I'm working on. <laughs> nice, your Instagram nice. handle. It's a doo-wop outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I was picturing like a surfy kind of vibe, but oh, we, we've got a little bit of that surfer guitar. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, thank you so much again for taking the time to come on the show tonight. It was really awesome getting to dive into this with you and have you take us through some of your personal experiences and how they show up in your screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was great to talk about it. Thanks, Brian, very much. Thanks for your time. Okay, well, that was Brian. Man, that was a deep. Deep, deep well of story there. We've been on a bit of a streak of, of people really sort of sharing with us like real, real personal, uh, personal stories. Michael Hudson from a few weeks yeah. back. Uh, yeah. Just a, that we're very fortunate to uh, to have people that are a willing to take such, you know, deep personal stuff and make a script out of it. And then also then send it into us and then also be willing to come on and talk to us about it. We're, we're, we're really lucky. Yeah. yeah. And we have been on a streak with yeah. Purgatory, Billy Baby. All kinds of different stuff here. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Brian Cluen and Deer Lights. Again, that's a brilliant title. This whole like theme of the deer and being caught doing something you're not supposed to be doing and the panic that sets in. Mm-hmm. It's it's just brilliant. Folks, if you've been caught doing something that you're not supposed to be doing and you've written a story about it, you should make sure it's in script form and you can send it in to us. Uh, there was a series of films back in the late 90s called American Pie that's all about that, so God knows you Yeet. could do it too. Uh, <laughs> you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, or you can uh, send it to us by going on to beep, Film beep. Freeway and sending it into us that way. 
That's right. Uh, we would love it if you would find us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We love talking to you about the screenplays that we're bringing up on the show. So if you have questions, comments, or ideas, get in touch and let's chit-chat about them online. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. That's right. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Script Shop.